Icon, wink, uh, and a size of four to six in clothing. Okay. <laughs> I gotta say, clothing sizing is bullshit. Oh, it makes no sense. I'm I am all over the place. I was like four to six, sometimes an eight, sometimes a two. Like, who knows? I'm a size in clothing. I used to wear such a small size. Now, well, when you were a baby? Yeah, when I was a baby. <laughs> when you were, uh, like, a child? Uh, yes, when I was a baby, I was a 25. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see uh, a baby clothes and be, like, shocked by how small babies are? No. Really? I know how small babies are. Their shoes are so tiny. This is Just Between <laughs> Us, a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. Do you want a baby? Well, I don't want to be old and have no one to care for me. Oh, you can hire people to do that. It's not the same. What do you mean? They won't care. I heard this really interesting thing today on a podcast where a guy was talking about how he doesn't like the word love because you can like love cheese, you can like love to leave, you can love your home. Yeah. But he was like, I I say that I care for my wife. Oh. We care for each other. That's interesting. And I thought that was beautiful. He also prosecuted the, the Nazis at Nuremberg. He's that old? He's 99. Oh, so he's like an old guy giving you love advice from like, hey, I've lived life. I've learned stuff. Yeah, he was just giving advice to me specifically. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, hi, this podcast is for Allison Beth Raskin. Uh, Look, don't say love, say care for. (laughs) I get confused because people will say I love you to their friends so easily. But then with like relationships, they're like, oh, so we have to wait for the perfect time. Well, because I think... Romantic love is is different. That right, that whole thing about I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Yes, and then people say, well, but I love them, and it's if they're trying, if they're like trying not to break up, and mm-hmm. it's like, no, you're just because you're not in love with them. Exactly. I always got weird in the beginning when friends would say I love you to me. I know. I still get weird about it. I hesitate. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean I don't love you. Really? No, it is. It's true. I just hesitate because it's like so – it's not in my nature to say it so like freely. Oh, my God. It, my nature is like, love you, love you. Got to go buy love you to our manager. Like, <laughs> I just, like, it's hard for me to get off the phone without saying I love you. I got really shook the first time like friends were like, okay, love you, bye. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Same Z's. Uh, what? My mom said that I'm really weird getting off the phone. Your mom said that? Well, what, uh, what's weird about it? One of my anxieties, I'm, like, so afraid of being rude. Sure. And so, like, I want to make sure that, like, we're good to go, that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like I'm rushing the goodbye, and that they want to say goodbye as well. Got it. <laughs> I love to be like, bye. Yeah. that No, please do that to me, because I otherwise I'm there for another minute 30. Oh, well, we do that, like, when we're doing phone interviews together. I'll be like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. Those and are I, the worst. I hang up. And people are still talking. My dad and I will just both be still on the phone and be like, you didn't hang up. And he'll be like, you didn't hang up because we're both too lazy to hit exit. What? Because he's like off and on like driving and he's like at his desk. Oh. And just neither one of us hits goodbye. That 
<laughs> Are you, your family says I love you very freely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flinging it, flopping it. That's interesting. Yeah, do your well, parents, do are you, your parents say I love you in front, like to each other in front of you guys? I think so. I would think so, yeah. Do they kiss in front of you guys? Very rarely. And Weird. Not, never tongue. Ne- well, <laughs> what a journey to like get to tongue in front of people. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like it's a peck, but they hold hands. And I feel like my dad might touch my mom's butt, which makes me uncomfortable. Like when he was like walking behind her or something? Yeah. Aww. But that's just being cared for. Uh, we have an incredible episode this week, and we also have a brand new book out called Please Send Help. Oh, yes. It is an epistolary novel. We wrote it. It's about these girls uh, after college, and they're floundering about trying to figure out their lives, and they're a little bit based on me and you. Yes. And it's super fun. So please get it. It's a good old time, and it's available everywhere. Yeah. Also, the audiobook is available if you like listening to us talk. Oh, yeah. We read it. We read the audiobook. So uh, you already seem to like our voices. So it's a no-brainer for you. Everyone's like, no, I listen to this in spite of your voices. (laughs) Uh, This week on the pod, we have a very special guest. I don't even want to say his name because it's going to be such a reveal. Oh, we're doing it as a reveal? Let's do it as a reveal. I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. You guys are about to hear an insane story. (laughs) And later on, we'll be talking about advice, how to give it, when to give it, and how to know if it's good. Oh. But first, hit it. International question! International question! Question. Anonymous. Portland, Oregon. Anonymous. Yes. Well, they told me their name, but they said, please keep this anonymous. Oh, okay. And I I said, fuck you. No, I said, I'll respect your wishes. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder if I should like write back to these people and be like, we're going to use it. Uh, Well, if they listen to the podcast, they'll find out when they listen. Right. I think that's more exciting, right? Because they'll be like, oh, my God, is there another anonymous from Portland? We don't know until you start reading it. And then they're like, it's mine. It's mine. I don't know if my therapist is a good fit. Yeah, that's what this one's about. Also, nobody has ever tweeted at us and been like, you used my question. One time I saw it. Oh, they did? Yeah. That was pretty cool. Why is it? You think, like, the people we've yelled at have been, like, I don't want to say it was my question? Or they don't listen to us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the risk you run when you submit a question. You might get yelled at. Okay, so Anonymous wants to know, how do you know if your therapist is a good fit? I've been struggling with anxiety for some time and going to talk therapy for the first time a few months ago. I often feel like my therapist is not helping me with the coping skills I need to deal with stress in my life and instead only wants to talk about my relationships with my family members. My mom recently received a terminal diagnosis. The sessions are not going the way I want them to go, but I'm afraid that maybe what I think I want is just a yes woman and maybe it's good that she is challenging me to push for a better relationship with my mom. How long do you think it takes to develop a good therapy relationship? And or do you think I should just cut my losses and try someone new? I love this question. Yeah, me too. Because I, no one talks about this. And I think for people that are starting therapy for the first time, that's like a huge fear. Like one of my friends is just started and she was expressing, she was like, well, how do I know if I'm finding someone who's good for me? Yes. Like she also was like, I don't want them to take advantage of me. What? Which which was a little confusing. Uh, Or like. Or she was, like, afraid that they would, like, be steering her negatively and it would, like, ruin her life. Which, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast The Shriek, the Shriek Next, Next Door, Door, then I kind of get it. But, yeah, that's a really, that's a wild ride if you want to listen to that show. It, it is a weird thing because you do have to, like, try a bunch of different therapists, I feel like. But it's hard because, like, who's in your network? Where, what's getting paid for by 
you know, it's like cost money to do these sessions or whatever. But I've had different therapists and a lot of them like didn't work. Like they just weren't right. And it's weird to break up with a therapist, but. Well, a good therapist from the beginning will say this should be a fit for both of us. Yeah. And that if you're not feeling like we're good together, then that's totally fine. And they'll probably refer you to somebody else. Yeah. You should never feel like your therapist is going to take things personally. Yes. And if they do, then they're not a great therapist. Yeah, that's really weird. (laughs) So I I really understand what Anonymous is talking about here because – Growing up, when I my OCD was really bad, I did a lot of CBT therapy, which is cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. So we're like, you know, on the floor putting like floor cleaner on my legs as like exposure therapy. Right. And then as an adult, it's mostly been talk therapy, which yeah. is very different. And I've often struggled with my therapist where I'm like, okay, but I don't know what to actually fucking do <laughs> yeah. about this anxiety. Like, what do I do in this moment to, to cope? And um, honestly, my psychiatrist has helped me out more there where oh. she's given me more like more terms for things and ways to think about things and action items, action items. And, you know, and she recommends meditation. And I also think that uh, it's important to see if your therapist listens. Like, have you have you voiced that you want those things? Yeah, I think you can say this to them. Yes, you I should think absolutely you can say it to say them. Say this to them and be like, look, I I understand that you want to talk about my relationship with my mom. I sort of want to talk about this because of stress. And like, do you think that I am just looking for someone to do what I want? Or do you think, you know, how, how do you, is this a good fit for you, therapist? You well, know what I mean? Well, I don't know if they're going to answer that. I think what you say is, look, like, I'm happy, like, I'll talk about my mom, but also, can we spend half the session, can you give me tangible advice for what to do when my anxiety is taking over? Yeah. Like, can you give me, can you give me breathing tips? Can you give me uh, Mm -hmm. any sort of technique? Can you recommend any meditation apps? Like, can you give me something tangible that I can hold on to? And if they say no... And they're just like, how does that make you feel? Then, you know, I think that you're totally valid to try to find someone else. Especially since right now you're going through a very tough time in your life. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it cannot hurt to explore other options. I would see even go to another therapist and just see what that's like. Go one time and just see how how that compares. And, like, because I think you know in your gut if, like, something is good or not, you know? Like, if something is helping you or not. I mean, I worry about a therapist being a yes man, too. That is a thing that I I do worry about because— I worry about that with your therapist as well. But she's not. specifically. (laughs) She's not because she—I get mad all the time at her because I feel like she says things— she says things that I don't, like, agree with or want to hear. Like what? I was talking about this person not doing what I wanted them to do. And I said, well, I'm just, like, trying to tell them the right thing to do or whatever. And she was like, well, isn't that the same as what everyone else is doing? Like, aren't you just also telling them what to do? And I was like, fuck. Like, I don't get it. Like, I was like, they're not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. This person, this person in my life is not doing the right thing. And I'm trying to help them do the right thing. This is so funny because I had my therapy session yesterday about you being that person. (laughs) Oh, well, and and she was like, well, aren't you also doing that? Like, she just kind of plays. Also doing what? Telling them. Telling them what to do. But I think I'm making their life better. I think I'm steering them in the right direction. And she's like. And I was like, well, because all these other people are trying to tell them what to do. And she's like, isn't that what you're doing? So she does, like, kind of call me on shit. And then I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't. That's not what I. No. (laughs) But, like, you do need someone, I guess, who's going to do that. Um, 
And she's been really helpful with like setting boundaries with my family. Someone I'm dating is very, very close with their family. And she was, my therapist was concerned. She's like, you've done all this work to to create boundaries with your family and to have more privacy in your life. And then to bring someone into your life who will, who you know will just tell their family everything about you. Like, how, you know, how does that mesh with the work you've done to set up boundaries with your family? And I was like, fuck. You know what I mean? Do you tip her when she says something like that? Yeah, right? Exactly. You give her I'm a like, five? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mostly go, fuck. So I think that, like, that's what Gabby's saying, that deep down you know if they're helping, you know if it's working. And to me, especially because of what's going on with your mom, I just, you know, I think that you need some tangible help and some tangible skills and there are different therapists that specialize in different things Mm -hmm. and so you can potentially look up someone who specializes in anxiety i mean i i switched um to a a lgbtq therapist right for that reason because i wanted to i wanted to talk to another queer person and i wanted someone who would understand what i was talking about without you know former therapists being like so what's bisexuality and i was like we can't start from here (laughs) You know, and I also think that things are going to grow and change. And, you know, sometimes if you've been with the same therapist for a really long time, you might get into, like, a bit of a rut with them where they're not challenging you Mm -hmm. anymore. They're not necessarily, like, seeing changes that you've made. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think you kind of have to just, like, always, like, take a – Reflect yeah, on you always, it. Yeah, you always need to, like, reflect on it and say, like, am I getting better? Is this, like, when I when I leave the session, do I feel like they have helped me? Yeah. And there's nothing personal about this. I know that, like, it's someone you spend such intimate time with and you feel, like, bad. You don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. But, like, there's this is a business relationship. Yeah. A medical relationship. And if you want to search elsewhere, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I want to try different treatments. Like, I want to... You know, I think I I've grown a lot in the in the LGBTQ panic that I had. And so now I'm like, okay, I don't need to focus on that as much. So uh, I want to try like a trauma therapist, which I'm going to go to. And I want to I want to try more like specialty type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not like a dig on my therapist or anything. That's just like not her specialty. Exactly. So I guess my overall advice would be to speak to your therapist bluntly and say, I need these cope. I need help. I need mm-hmm. tangible advice. I need coping skills. Do you have any techniques that you can share with me? You're not going to hurt her feelings. Like you can't, or you can't be worried that you're going to because that's not the relationship. And then if they say yes and they help you, then great. And if they say no, that's not what I do. That's not what we do here. Then you say, okay, well, I think that I need someone who can do that. Do you have any recommendations? Yes. And ask around and look online and, you know, expand. But also, I, I don't I to push back us a, a little bit, I don't your mother did just receive a terminal diagnosis and maybe you are avoiding talking about that or avoiding dealing with that. And I I would keep that in mind too. Cause you're like, well, I don't want to talk about that. And it's like, that seems pretty huge, Anonymous. That's very true. I feel like that is something you should be addressing and also being like, I have so much stress in my life. I don't know what your stress is about, but I imagine that doesn't make it better. Well, I'm not saying it's all one or the other. Yeah. I'm saying you need somebody who's going to provide you with both. Absolutely. Where you're unpacking what's going on with your mom and you're also getting coping skills. Yeah, because your life coping skills. is going on too. Well, I mean, the anxiety is probably related to the mom. And so what I'm talking about is like, so sitting there talking about it for an hour, like, great, that's yeah, that's helping and you're unpacking. But then what happens three hours later when you have an anxiety attack? Right, right, you're, right. You're not given the skills to deal with that. Yeah. And so you need somebody who's going to look at the whole picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what I think. 
Let us know what happens. We might read the email, we might not. <laughs> Submit your international question. Send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. So coming up next, we have our surprise mystery guest. <laughs> Stick around, baby. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. So today we have a mystery guest. Yes, I'm so excited to have a mystery guest. Okay, so our mystery guest is Jason Bragg, who is... Uh, what I call New Brother. Yes. Uh, as just a title. I uh, like New Brother. New Brother as a title. Why not? Yeah. So, okay. So you're wondering what the hell is that? <laughs> well, uh, so Jason is, uh, my brother. So yeah, we found out about you two years ago. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. So I, I made a little video about it, but for those who are just tuning into this saga of my life, I did 23andMe six years ago. And then uh, my dad also did it because he wanted to look at health concerns or whatever. And when we were doing it, I said, hey, you've lived kind of a wild life. Um, You definitely have some kids out there. Like it's one of those genetic testing sites Mm -hmm. and you can opt in to like see family members and stuff. And I was like, you absolutely have kids you don't know about. Did you say that as a joke or you meant it? Half and half. Okay. And he was like, no, absolutely not. No. And I was like, I mean, how how could you think you don't? Like, just because my dad is not shy about stories from his life. Right. And so uh, he was like, you're being, you know, come on, you're, you're making fun of me or whatever. Cut to uh, 2017, uh, Jason shows up. <laughs> so, okay. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. Let's um, switch. Let's switch to what that was like for you. So, yeah. what is your journey into start, all of this? Yeah, start with your side of this story. Yeah, well, I was adopted, obviously, as a as a small child, uh, without much information about anybody on my biological side until probably early twenties. I actually received a message from my biological mom. Uh, I, I up until then, I never really had a big draw that a lot of people have when they're adopted to know about their biological family. So, it wasn't really anything that intrigued me, but I was kind of caught off guard when when I got that email. And so that kind of began the journey. Uh, And again, going back to my early 20s, that's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I lived knowing my biological mom. We we would kind of pop in and out of each other's lives from time to time. How did she find you? Uh, We're both from a very small town chance encounter at a medical clinic where I think the name, the birthday, kind of she was able to put two and two together and think, hey, I think this is the uh, the kid. She wow. worked there and he was a patient. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and she, she waited a few years and t- to really reach out to me. So I don't know. I don't think HIPAA was a thing. Then, but. I mean, also like, okay, whatever. But if you think someone is your son, you can... Break HIPAA laws, I feel like. <laughs> Can you? I don't know, but I would. <laughs> yeah, so... What was that like to get that email? Kind of a, a rush of adrenaline uh-huh. more than anything else. Uh, but I, I remember, I think we were able to get together, if not that afternoon, maybe the next day. Oh, wow. So a lot happened really fast. And so, and again, not ever having that big, who am I, where do I come from feeling... 
it was just kind of a cool addition. Addition. Got to find out some health things, a little bit about, you know, where where I came from from that perspective. Uh, but it didn't really become a huge part of my life, I don't I don't think. And probably because I, I kept most of this from my adopted family. Oh really? Uh, so it was kind of a, a I don't know. We, I just we didn't talk about it a lot when I was a kid growing up in the household. So I think maybe some of that was ingrained on me that we just it's not a thing we talk about. Were you afraid so, of hurting their feelings? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think a hundred percent. And in fact, and I may be jumping ahead, but uh, when I when we finally connected uh, with with uh, Gabby and, and Mark and, and the rest of the Dunn family, uh, it was a really big deal for me to finally tell uh, my mom about that, my oh, adopted wow. mom about that. So. So then you, and then there was some miscommunication about who your dad was, right? Uh, yeah, there, you know, was a little bit uh, of of some issue, I guess, with with who it, who uh, they thought it was, uh, which is what clued me into something being maybe a little a little wonky about the test results, probably, possibly, because seeing the name Mark Dunn on the uh, on the twenty three and Me site, it was uh, not. What I was what I was familiar with the name that I remembered hearing. Okay. Yeah, you were you were told uh, a different person was your, your right, dad. Right, right, right. Uh, who had it, passed away? Yeah, I think and had just recently passed away. I think. Okay. Yeah. So you never. So you thought, oh, I'll never get a chance to meet my biological dad. Well, I knew that he didn't have any interest in in having a relationship. And, you know, and again, I think I told Gabby, you know, it wasn't one of those fresh prints. Why why doesn't he want me moments? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it was it was just what it was uh, to me. I, I just expected that I would have a life not knowing who my biological father was. And that was that. What made you do the 23andMe? I just like to do new stuff. I mean, I'd love to say I was trying to find something out about myself genealogically or, or health-wise. And, and maybe to some degree the health thing was, was there because I didn't have the full picture, mm-hmm. so perhaps I'd find something out. Uh, but really just, you know, I'm susceptible to marketing. and uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, so I, I, I see the commercials and I said, hey, I'm going to do this. You weren't like, oh, maybe I'll find family members? Never crossed my mind yeah. in, in, in all honesty. In fact, uh, I know when you go into that family member portion of the website, I think they have you opt in a couple of different times, kind of giving you a warning that, hey, mm-hmm. shit could really get crazy here. Just know that right. if you're okay with this, it could change everything about your life, you know. And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm a, I was in a work meeting actually out of town and just bored and clicking through because <laughs> my results had just come in while I was sitting there. Wow. So I just click, 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 and all of a sudden I see a 50% match DNA and a 25% match DNA, and I was like, oh. What? Yeah. Wow, and that was Gabby and her dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I always I, I laugh because with Gab because it gives you potential relationships. I know with Gabby it said potential granddaughter. Because <laughs> we're half siblings. Yeah, so oh, that's it was crazy. It, that that was actually the biggest thing because I start doing math in my head and yeah. is it possible that I have a granddaughter somewhere? <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the father thing was pretty obvious and I think it was also pretty obvious as soon as I started looking uh into Mark's uh just Lineage, Facebook stalking yeah. him. Well, just Facebook stalking him yeah. and seeing pictures of him when he was my age, younger, and and it was kind of creepy to me how much he looked like me. Wow. Oh, you guys look... Or how much I look like him. Yeah. yeah, you guys look incredibly alike. When my dad was like, 
told me about you and then I went and stalked your Facebook. Uh, it was like, because I was like, well, how do we know? And then when I saw your Facebook, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) You look just like him. You also look just like our younger sister, Cheyenne. You guys look very similar. And it took me a while to get that one. I heard that a lot very early on. And it wasn't until I actually saw some side-by-sides. And I was like, yeah, we do look a lot. (laughs) Which I feel bad for her because Cheyenne is beautiful. (laughs) And so anytime anybody tells her that we look alike, I think that's a a horrible thing to say to (laughs) her. A beautiful, beautiful person or anybody. <laughs> so on 23andMe, did it say this is your dad? It says potential. Po- you but know, it said dad? Yeah, father. Wow. That's and crazy. it was not the name that you had been told. Right, right. So, And then what do you do next? Uh, well, I sit through the rest of this work meeting. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Just sweating bullets, I, I think, at that point. I, I send some text messages to my biological mother and provide her with the name and you know, I think I think she wanted to do a little bit of investigation and probably a little bit of uh, Facebook stalking as well. And she didn't uh, recognize the name, right? Right. So I think they were able to ultimately connect and, and yeah. put two and two together there. Because she knew him briefly in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he- so nineteen seventy seven. My dad owned a leather goods shop called Masandu of course. in uh, <laughs> in Gainesville, Florida, which is now a Papa John's. It's very upsetting to me, but. Um, so he owned this. I le- love Papa John. <laughs> so he owned this leather goods shop called Masandu, and um, he uh, was like kind of known for like making a lot of really nice leather goods around the area of Gainesville, Florida, and uh, and so your mother knew him as leather shop guy. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what she relayed. So this was a result of of one night. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and I don't think either of them really thought about or remembered it. So then um, you sent a, a Facebook message to my dad. Right. So you decided, okay, I want to contact him. I felt like I should at least contact him to let him know and maybe, you know, to to potentially unearth, again, more information about myself mm-hmm. uh, that, I, that I wasn't able to get from either the 23andMe or, or, or from my mom's side of things. So, yeah, uh, again, no expectations. Sent a Facebook message, just, hey, which, and I think about it, that's, pr- I mean, I can't imagine getting a message like that. <laughs> um, I, I, I would, and maybe it's because me, I would prefer to never know anything like that. So, yeah. Uh, I you guess prefer may- not to know yeah, you I had a pre- kid? Yeah, oh, 100%. I oh, would wow. I would bury my head in the sand <laughs> and and leave immediately. But uh, and I'm a terrible person for that potentially, but that's 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 so interesting. Yeah. And having this experience didn't change your mind about that? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I have I have not changed my stance there at all. No. That's so Okay, so what did the Facebook message say? Yeah, you know, it was just Hey, I did 23andMe. Uh, it shows that you're potentially my father. I am adopted. I, I've never known my biological father. I gave him some stats. I'm married, live in San Diego, healthy, happy, successful life, not looking for anything. If you have any interest in getting to know me in any way, feel free to reach out. Wow. I love that. Such a classy, I'm your son message. It was. It was very, my dad later said that he liked that you were just like, I don't want any money. Yeah. I don't want anything. How quickly Uh, did he tell you, Gabby? So, okay, let me give some backstory. Uh, My dad is a lunatic. Uh, (laughs) He is, he's a very lovely, very funny person. Uh, He was a very, he was a hippie. He was a super big hippie. He traveled around Europe in a van. Um, you know, he lived this sort of hippy-dippy lifestyle. By 1977, he had been married once 
and then had a, a son, my older brother, Joshua, uh, from that woman. And uh, and then he was, in 1973, and then he was divorced by then. But he had, he kind of, you know, he had said, like, he, he and his ex-wife had cheated on each other all the time. And he had lived in New York for a little bit while they were married, sleeping with other people and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he kind of has never been, you know, he partied a lot. And, and also... My dad was, like, uh, very, very charming, according to my mom. Like, uh, very <laughs> – I just mean, like, he was a dude who, like, waltzed into the bar in his cowboy boots and his cowboy hat and was, like, shots for everyone. Like, he was, like, a very cool dude and so and charming to, to women. And so uh, my mom described him as a skirt chaser. Oh uh, I'm, like, going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. And so when he met – so then he met my mom and he got married to her in 84 – and then had me in 88 and Cheyenne in 91. So, and then he was still an alcoholic and an addict and partied and did all this stuff uh, up until I was 15. Then he relapsed. Then he got sober again when I was 17. And now it has stuck. So he's been sober for like 13 years, I think. Is that the math? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I knew, so it wasn't like I had this idea of my dad as this perfect person. It wasn't like, oh, wow, Mr. Cleaver has kids he doesn't know about? This is Like shocking. if my dad had kids. He yeah. didn't know about it. I'd be like, what? Yeah. This was like pretty, I thought, par for the course. Uh, and so uh, what's crazy is that we did the 23andMe um, because my boyfriend at the time believed himself to be Native American. And so we did the 23andMe. He and I did it as like a birthday present for him. And then uh, my was dad- Was he Native American? Like very small amount. Okay. And then my dad- uh, uh, did wanted to do it also because he loves to be involved in everything that I do, and <laughs> and then Jason coincidentally six years later had to also choose the company Twenty Three and Me. Right, like we would have never found you if you hadn't also like it was like you know the coincidence of choosing the same ancestry company and of like you know it didn't come up right away. You had to decide to do it like six years after we had done it. And for you, for both of us to opt into the DNA the, the sharing, thing. familial I know. thing. There was yeah. a lot of coincidences that had to happen. Um, and also, like, we grew up in South Florida, and you grew up four hours north. So yeah, it wasn't like Florida. they had adopted you out to fucking Canada or something. Right. You were, like, very close by. Yeah, how most did of your, our childhood. How did your parents come to adopt you? It was a private adoption, I think, from knowing someone that uh, was the... DA or something along those lines. I don't really know. And again, it was something that we... It was I within a small town. It was town. very local. Yeah, it was very, very local. local. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 20,000 people in this town, but uh, I don't I don't know a lot of the specifics. Never asked again. It always seemed like kind of one of those subjects just we didn't talk about in the family, so... How did your mom react when you told her that you'd found your birth dad? Uh, not well. Not well <laughs> at all. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I think to some degree... It almost took a minute or two for it to dawn on her what was going on. I think at first she thought, wow, that's kind of cool, neat. And Did then, she know you had found your biological mom? Uh, yeah. Well, there's a long kind of uh, mm. twisted, convoluted story there. But, yeah, ultimately she Tell learned us. about that. <laughs> well, I had, uh, I had just one day much earlier prior to meeting my biological mom. She very – she – wrote a letter to my parents that I grabbed out of the mailbox one day just for some 
reason still unknown to me. I, I don't necessarily go just opening people's mails or rifling through. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a federal offense. So uh, I would not do that. But for whatever reason I did that, I, I just took the letter, left and put it in my room. Uh, How old were you? It's hard to say. Maybe... 18, okay. 18-ish, 19. I don't, I don't think, I wasn't even living at home at the time. So that's why it was even more unusual that I would find this piece yeah. of mail and open it. Uh, but we uh, did that. And I think she was helping me unpack when I moved and she found the letter. And uh, so that was a big deal. At that point, there was probably some type of emotional breakdown I, that I've, that I've, put in the recesses of my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, never really talked about at that point uh, beyond that. I talked to her about uh, connecting with Mark mm-hmm. and uh, I, th- I, I, she had a hard time with it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that's just very easy to say. She had, a, she had a hard time with it. I think she had a lot of potential insecurities on mm-hmm. her part. Uh, so just tried to ask her to to understand, you know, to make it about me and, and, right. and my journey versus how she was feeling. So then I think pretty soon after you messaged him, you guys talked. Yeah, yeah. We talked uh, about a week. I think it took him about a week to get the message. And uh, then we, call, we talked to each other that day. Were you anxious for him to reply? <sighs> you know, it being a Facebook message... Uh, messenger thing. You mm-hmm. can tell if somebody's read it, you get like a read receipt uh, situation. So I know I checked a couple of times and seen that he hadn't read it. And yeah. so probably within three or four days, I think I just resigned myself to this is one of those messages that gets buried and yeah. you never you never run across it. And and again, that was fine. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, a breaker for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think if he hadn't ever read it, you would have found a different way to contact him? No, I think I was I mean, honestly, I was done with it at that point. Wow. Uh, not done in the sense, well, but I was just like, okay, I tried. I shot my shot. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, was going to continue again. I still never just felt that I had to find these people. It just, it right. never, it never weighed on me. Mm-hmm. So my dad called me and was like, are you busy? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, I'm going to put your sister on the line. And I said, why did you even ask if I was busy? You were just going to do what you wanted to do anyway. And he put me and my sister on the phone and we were like, what, what, what is going on? And he was like, okay, so you have a brother. And we were like, yeah, we know. His name's Joshua. He lives in New York. And they were like, no, no. Is uh, your mom on the phone too? I think so, yes. Uh, no, you have a, another brother. Uh we found him on 23andMe. He messaged me. His name's Jason. He lives in San Diego. Cheyenne flipped out and was, like, very upset. Why? Uh, she doesn't like change, I don't think. And she is also, like, does nervous. I think she has a, a bad relationship with my our oldest brother. So I think she was like, another brother? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, but how do we know this is real? So I went on your Facebook which, by the way, oh, my God. So at the time, it was Pride or it had just been Pride? Yeah, probably. And so your Facebook photo, your main photo, ha- was changed uh, to Rainbow for Pride. And I was like, oh, thank fucking God. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're straight, you're married to a woman. But, like, I was like, oh, no. Oh, God, please be cool. Like, don't be a Nazi. Don't be – you know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, you ha- you were, like, had that pride photo and I was like oh thank god and then uh, you had like a bunch of pictures of because you're a fashion guy you like fashion you like clothes you're a yeah, bit of a clothes, like clothes. clothes horse 
So you had a bunch of pictures of yourself in these like very cool outfits. And I was like, okay, okay. This seems like a normal person. This guy seems like not crazy. Um, and so then I, for, I don't know, did, I think my dad gave us each other's numbers or something. Yeah. I think he probably asked if he could share and yeah. then said, said, uh, you were shy and we're going to reach out. Yeah. And then we, we, you and I FaceTime yeah. for like a couple hours and it would like, just were like, I say it was like the weirdest first date of all time. Like we were just like, so 100%. How, did, how did you grow up? Uh, cool. What, what's your job? Cool. Like. All this kind of stuff. It was just the two of you? Yeah, no. we FaceTimed, like, yeah, by ourselves. And I just, I mean, it was very hard for me, but I tried to resist trying to cram 29 years, you I know, know, at that like, point. I know, it was like, so start at the beginning. Into, what has your yeah. life been like? <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, and especially with you being somebody highly Google-able. Google yeah. I, it was, it was very difficult for me to resist not ingesting everything I could right. about Gabby Dunn. Right. Uh, and I wanted to get to know Gabby, my my new half sister. Yeah, yeah. You were saying you were trying not to like watch videos or like. I love that. You know. Yeah, I think that that's a show of someone with good character. Yeah, that oh, you well, were. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I I also weirdly there I we kept it a secret from like the internet for a year or so least, because yeah. I was like, look, man. I'm about to unleash some teenage girls on you that <laughs> I don't think we should do that right now. So we also, like, wanted to take a year to, like, process it yeah. by ourselves and not sort of, like, tell a lot of people. And I didn't really tell a lot of friends. I remember you called me, I think, right after you found out. And my reaction was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I, like, wasn't that shocked. I was like, your dad, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I I think I, when I called you, was just like, can you believe this fucking shit? Yeah, like, you were like, oh, I can't. Yeah, of course this is happening. And I was like, yeah, that seems right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but then, like, we we talked and we had a good time. And then I would argue, like, Cheyenne came around and then you and Cheyenne talked. Yeah. And then, uh, arguably, you and Cheyenne are, are very close now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we, we chat occasionally. Yeah. yeah just, uh, I don't know. I feel very... It sounds weird. I feel very big brotherly about her. Yeah. Like, it just uh, immediately, honestly. And I know when we first met, just I saw a lot of myself in her, just in personality mm -hmm. and, and things she would say. So, and not to say that, you know, I don't feel as close no, to you. I don't but don't mind. Uh, we, when we drove down. Okay, I like her a lot more. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. We yeah. drove, no. we drove down, um. Uh, to see you. So Cheyenne and I, a week later, drove to San Diego to meet you and Amber, yeah. your wife. And uh, and we, like, talked a lot about stuff. And I brought, I think, videos, uh, old family videos yeah, yeah, for you, you brought to look the, at. Yeah, uh, you Virgil and, video. Yeah, well, that's a whole second part of the story. And then um, Cheyenne was talking about, like, not wanting kids and, like, being very, like, what uh, this, like, certain dry sense of humor stuff that you and her both had. And uh, and I was like, oh, this is very, this is very funny. Um, but so, so the set. I mean, the the to sum up a, another aspect of this story is that my dad, you're forty years old. Yeah, yeah. When you found M Mark, my dad didn't find his biological father until he was forty as well. So like in he his mother uh, lied to him about who his dad was, and then he found his father in, like, 1987. He he uh, hired a private investigator to find his dad. 
And so my dad didn't meet his biological father either until he was 40. So the thing that I always say that's crazy is that the same thing happened to my dad twice in his life, once as the son and once as the dad, like, and at the same age. So if you want to learn, know more Talk about... Talk about this yeah. is 40. That should have been that <laughs> I know. So if you want to learn more about that, there's a YouTube video on my on my personal channel that's called 40, a documentary about family that I, I included a bunch of stuff about that aspect of the story as well. But like there's... It's pretty crazy that that... Like that my dad didn't find uh, his father, Virgil, until oh. he was 40 also. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know when I tell people the story, it just it just keeps unraveling more and more just craziness and yeah. and uh so it's it's a highly highly uh, popular story at, at parties and stuff. <laughs> it, it finally gave me so after 40 years, I'd kind of run out of cool things happening to me. So this was uh, nice to add to the repertoire. And I mean, it could have gone in such a crazy way and it's actually been like you came and like drove up here to help me buy a car and yeah. like I we, think he's enhanced your life. Yeah. I like, think it's like you have now have like a more stable, supportive older brother figure. Yeah. And like we've we've got like, you know, I think it could have gone really crazily, but it's actually been pretty great and normal. And that's why my mom said to my dad, I love that Jason and Amber are in our <laughs> lives now, but please take your DNA off that website. Yes. Because <laughs> my joke to him is like two more before you die. I'm going to say there's, what do you think? I'm going to say there's two more. No, there's one more when he hits 80. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, here's my theory. There's one in Europe. So Ooh. if you don't know, here's the thing, listeners, if you don't know who your biological father is, I would suggest Mark Dunn as a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Would you like to play a game with us? There's Absolutely. a game show. Sure. This is now the game Certainly. show segment called Hypotheticals. We're gonna I'm gonna give you some hypothetical situations. You're gonna tell me what you would do in those situations, and then we'll decide if you were wrong. So uh, these are insane. I don't know if you've ever listened to the show. I haven't. Okay, that's great. Well, these are insane and you'll never be right. And we're playing, I haven't seen them either, so we're okay. playing against each other or or together. It depends on what happens here. Okay, our first game is America's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? All right. Got it. You meet your soulmate on a plane, and after joining the Mile High Club, find out they are married for a green card. The, <laughs> o- the only problem is their spouse thinks it is a real marriage. Would you stay with this cheater slash soulmate? So you only find out about it after you've, you've joined already the Mile hooked up. High Got Club. It. Yeah. They're and, like, oh, by the way, I'm married, but I don't love them. I'm just married for a green card. And why does the other person think it's a real marriage? Uh, because the your soulmate has tricked them into it. But, Is the other person on the plane as well? No, that'd be crazy. Oh. And <laughs> who needs the green card? Your soulmate. Yeah. Oh, so they're they're like a con man. In a sense. And why? how do we know that they're your soulmate? Uh, it's... According to the rules of this game, they are your soulmate. And if you don't end up with your soulmate because you don't approve of them, what happens to you? You, I need your answer before I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I, uh, are you alone forever if you don't? I'm not telling you. Okay. I would not stay with this cheater. <gasps> what would you do? I'm going to agree with Gabby and say that I would not, I would not approve of that. Even though they're your soulmate? But they but they lied to you and they lied to this other person. So how do you know they're not a liar? Well, they are a liar, but they're your soulmates. But so, okay. 
But I I would feel very bad mar- being married to someone who was lying all the time. Okay. Well, just so you know. Does the plane crash? The plane crashes. Come on! Aww. Your decision didn't even matter. Everyone's dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Our next game. Well played. Is this a date? Your mm. next door neighbor mistakenly drills a large hole into your apartment. <laughs> so you end up chatting while you eat dinner at the same time through the hole, and they even share a dinner roll with you. The good kind. <laughs> Is this a date? Wow. Is this a one-time occurrence? Uh, or is it happening I can frequently? only tell you about this one specific night. That is not a date. No? But it's I a think good... it could lead to dates in the future. It's a very good meet cute. Exactly. Yeah. It was a crescent roll. Ooh, Those that is... Those are very good rolls. Did they make that crescent roll themselves? Yes. Wow. Are they attractive? Very. Have you seen more of them than just what you see via the hole? Um, no. No. <laughs> okay. So you've never met in real life other than through the hole. Right. Wow. I love... I This is like a romance novel <laughs> called Through the Hole. And I'll buy it. Uh, I I would consider it a date. Really? Yeah. And I'm going to go not a date. Well, you know what? What? It was a threesome because their partner is there too. And they don't talk the whole time? They don't talk the whole time. And then when they invite you through the hole for dessert, sure. you go through the hole and meet their spouse. And But their spouse is interested in you as well. They're naked. So it was a date. Absolutely. Oh. And oh. also a three-way. <laughs> That you know what that ended nicer than I thought it would. Yeah, well you know sometimes you have to win because the first one plane crash. <laughs> right, everyone's dead. So if if they all end badly, how can I keep you on your toes? That's true. <laughs> That's to true. Mix it up. So also, so the, the plane crash, everyone's dead. Very negative. Very negative. Second one ends in a lovely thruple. Absolutely. And you know what you end up doing? What you knock down that wall. Oh. You get twice the big, twice as big an apartment and a couple. So you all live together, <laughs> absolutely, in like a four bedroom. Um, well, no, you each had a one bedroom. Oh, so, so now you have you, a two oh, okay. bedroom. I was. This isn't. This isn't like paradise. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Los Feliz real yeah. estate here. You know what I mean? Let's stay realistic here, yeah, exactly. Gabby, in the game of hypotheticals. Okay, our final game. Everyone's favorite. Is this person an alien or just rude? Okay. You're throwing a housewarming party, and one of your coworkers, who you are not that close with, shows up two hours early and insists <laughs> on helping you set up. This includes dusting your drapes and encouraging you to change outfits more than once. Is this person an alien or just rude? I think they are rude. Why? Because I've had people kind of do this. Two hours early? I had one person... This is so traumatizing. I can't even talk about it. I had uh, at a 4th of July party one time in New York, and a person that I'm not close to and don't even like showed up like two hours early. Wow. What'd you do with them? I felt very uncomfortable, and I just like was like, okay, well, I'm going to set up the party, and you can just sit here. And they were like, great. They didn't help? No. So that person's rude. This person is helping. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, but helping in a very condescending way. Mm, yes. This what do you think? Like probably yeah, your... I mean, I, I was going to say, I've had a very similar situation as well. They did, they were somewhat helpful, so I can't say they just sat there, but uh, I hated that person from, <laughs> from the moment they walked in until today, honestly. So I would say that's a, and I, I wouldn't hate someone 
who is just from another planet. And yeah. I mean, that that would be rude on my part. So One time I showed up to a party three hours early. Why? Because I had it on the wrong time zone. <gasps> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What did what happened? Uh, I just sat there with my boyfriend at the time for like twenty minutes, and then we were like, "We gotta go." <laughs> Wait, what? What were the people whose party it was doing? Setting up. Oh my god! When was this? A couple years ago. We all make mistakes. Anyway, this person. Is this just a good way to get out of maybe going to a party? You That's show what was up very wonderful. early. Oh, we didn't have to go to the party. You leave, and then you don't really have to go back. Exactly. And I didn't know anyone else who was going to be at the party, so I got to see the people I knew, and then I left. Oh my god! I'm I rethinking would... this strategy. Right? I like that. It's pretty good. Ugh! I would be so embarrassed. So this person is in fact half an alien. What does that mean, that, half an well, alien? Well, that they find out that, that their father is an alien <laughs> through a genetic testing site. <laughs> you know what? You got us. You got us. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Would you want people to find you or no? Sure. What's your Instagram? It is J.W. Bragg. B-R-A-G-G. J.W. Bragg. There are some really good outfit photos on there. You do outfit of the day very well. Oh, thank you. That is my uh, my side project. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about advice. Ooh. How to give, when to give, how to know if it's good. Wink. To just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X X X X baby baby baby. Okay, so advice. Yeah, cause I okay, so I've been working on a book proposal. Yeah, about dating with mental illness. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. I keep getting into it with my book agent because I'm not a licensed therapist. Right, and so it's like. What can I say? What can I not say? You know, like what, like what advice am I allowed to give? Like what? What you, know, you can give whatever advice you want. You've had the experience, but right. But it's sort of like made me think about like you know, a lot of what we do is like give solicited and unsolicited advice, and sure. like you know, who who are we to do it? But at the same time, I will argue I'm excellent at it. Yeah, people don't have to listen to us also. Like, you don't have to, you don't, nobody is hearing this podcast and then legally required to do what we say. But you do have to take notes. Yeah, okay. But That's I'm saying part that, of the like, agreement. I don't, I don't feel uh, unqualified to give advice because one, I mean, I feel like I'm still going through shit, so I'm a mess. So mm-hmm. like, that's who you want advice from, I think, is someone who's actually like experienced things. While has- they're still experiencing it? Or don't you think that hindsight is often needed? Well, a lot of the advice that we give is is we t- we pull from hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, like, you know, you and I have both had a lot of experience in the things we mostly give advice about, which is, like, you like mental health and dating and me like sex and, and LGBTQ stuff. And so I think we've lived we've lived it. We've learned it. We can disperse it. <laughs> you know? That's our next T-shirt. Yeah. We've lived it. We've learned it. We can disperse it. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, it's also like a lot of times I don't even realize that I've come to a conclusion or have an idea about something until it's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that is how I think about it. That's what this whole podcast is for me. <laughs> Are you kidding? I listen back to it and I'm like, wow, I really nailed it there. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> but that's, you know, I think that's probably most advice givers. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the tricky thing in in – 
obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, like, you have no control over what we're saying. We're just shouting at you. For sure. But when it comes to, like, advice with people we actually know, that's much trickier of, like, when to give it, when to shut up. You love to give advice. I know. And uh, sometimes people don't want it. They don't. Yeah. So I think a really good thing to do that I read was that you should, when someone is, like, venting or airing a frustration, is saying, do you do you want my thoughts and advice or do you want to just just talk about it oh okay or do you want to just vent about it yeah and then and then like give them the opportunity to tell you what they want yeah sometimes people say no i want your opinion and then when you say your opinion they're like i didn't want that opinion and then you'll say okay but that's you know that's just what i think yeah you know yeah. Like, i add a lot of caveats with my advice oh yeah is that how you say the word caveats yeah caveats caveats i think <laughs> yeah you know so it's like well, for me, and then I give mm. I give my personal examples. Okay. So it's like, well, when I was in a relationship like that, this is how I felt. That's a good way to give advice. You know, so it's not like, well, from my high horse, yeah. I've never I've never gotten myself into this kind of mess, but right. this is what I would do. Yeah. It's like I've been in this mess and yeah. here's how I got my way out of it. Yeah, that's the best way to give advice, I think. Is to say, like, is to not uh, make the person feel judged, but to be like, oh, man, what a relatable sitch. Here we go. Totally. Um, Or even, like, if it's not a relatable situation, you could be like, you know, oh, my friend. Because you've, like, been like, oh, yeah, like, Gabby, you know, I don't know how to deal with bipolar disorder, but Gabby does. So maybe you should talk to Gabby. Or, like, Mm -hmm. if someone's, like, you know, dealing with their sexuality. Or or, um, yesterday, uh, Jasmine Jay, former guest of the show, uh, tweeted and was like, does anyone have experience uh, with OCD? I wrote back and said, Allison does. So she might reach out to you. But oh, cool. What I'm saying is, like, you know, you if you if you can't give advice, at least you know, maybe you know someone. Yeah, you can. can set it in motion. Yeah, and that's part of why it's it's important to like share your experiences so that someone can say, "Hey, Allison." Exactly. You know that I know that you would actually give good advice about that to someone who's like newly diagnosed, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, so what do you do if if someone says they want your advice but then they never take it? Well, I'm so glad that you asked since that's our dynamic. I know. I've set myself up. <laughs> so I, this is honestly a thing that I brought up in, in therapy yesterday where I was, you know, I was sort of talking about how I feel like ro- in romantic relationships, you are sort of making the same choices again and again. And that's hard for me to watch because I don't want you to keep getting hurt. Mm. And my therapist was like, well... Instead of being like, you idiot, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have to, everyone has to be on their own timeline. That's honestly the biggest thing I've learned about giving advice is like I can scream it and scream it and scream it. And if that person is not ready to hear it yet, it won't happen. Yeah. They're not going to listen. They're not going to be receptive. And so a lot of times in the past where I would like be like shaking my head, like I don't understand what's going on. Now I'll be like, well, when they're ready, they'll listen to this. Or they have to come to it on their own. Right. They have to come to it on their own. Like my dad, he's a, a, a addict and alcoholic. And he, there was like, you know, plenty of times where people were like, you should stop this. And then he even went to AA and was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to AA. And people in AA give you advice and they talk to you and do all this stuff. And then, but he was like not ready right. to hear it. And then he relapsed. And then uh, finally, after he relapsed and then he went back to AA and like got sober again, he was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. But like he was just wasn't um, he just wasn't ready, and like I and like you kind of go, oh, why can't this person just stop? Like why can't I just tell them how to how to like be better, you know? But if they're not ready to come to it, they're not. It's not going to stick. 
What do you think about people who rely on like online research? Oh man. Yeah. Like, you know, like just like scouring articles and like mm-hmm. listening or even Well, like- that's how I learned not to vaccinate my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Don't even put that out. That honestly, that would end our friendship. I if knew you, you chose were gonna not like to that. vaccinate your kids, I wouldn't speak to you again. I knew you were gonna like that, <laughs> and and that's why the Earth is is flat. Next question. Um, no, I uh, well, I have a problem. Like, definitely, I try to seek advice. Like, I'll look on the internet for stuff. For what kind of stuff? Well, um, I had a partner who was uh, who was uh, de- dealing with their gender, questioning mm-hmm. their gender, and I watched a ton of YouTube videos about that. Like, I-, I asked friends for advice, and I had a lot of long conversations with friends of mine who who identify as non-binary or trans. Um, but I uh, I also was like, just wa- I just went on YouTube, and I was like trans YouTuber and then I just like watched a ton of videos to try to like get advice on like how to be a good partner and what to do. Was um, that helpful? It was. I think I've seen every video on YouTube about transitioning that exists. Wow. Um <laughs> because I was like, okay, I need to I need to get a diversity of opinions and mm-hmm. I need to hear from people who have gone through this. And also like I had a friend whose whose uh partner transitioned and so I like went to lunch with them and um, but, and so there was like a few people I could speak to, but I also just privately, I just wanted to privately watch videos of even like these people whose channel it is like their partner doing mm-hmm. a video and talking about it. Um, and I just wanted to, I, you can get advice from real people, but I felt like maybe on the internet they would, people would be more, um, honest. Right. Cause they don't, they're like. And also there's no interaction. Yeah. So you don't have to like react to it or yeah. like give your opinion at that time about it. You can like kind of just digest it at your own pace. What's lovely about the internet is that you can find, you can type in and find like advice for almost anything. But I would really check your sources. Well, yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah. You know, I think that like, yes, that's wonderful. And also it can be kind of dangerous and there's a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that you mixed real people and the internet. Yeah, that you did a deep, yeah. that you like did a deep dive and a full research. Well, because if you are, if, if there's also like you know, not everybody lives in these communities. So if you're, or you know, in a liberal area or anything like that. So if you're going through something and you don't really have anyone in your real life you can talk to, there's guaranteed like a YouTube channel about it. Yeah, or or a, a someone on Twitter, you know, that you can follow and see, uh, like what they're saying or whatever. But again, try to get more than one source. And, oh yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Look into who's saying it, and you know, take everything with a grain of salt. That's why I watched every video on YouTube. <laughs> That's why I went down the line and watched all of them. All of them, baby. I would say if you're asking for advice, ask multiple friends. Yeah, ask multiple friends, and um, I think there are a couple of topics that you should not give advice unless explicitly asked. Like, should I marry this person? Okay, well, that I give advice about whether people. Yeah, you do. But I don't think you should give advice about uh, parenting. Interesting. You know, like how kid, how people are raising their kids. I don't think like unless obviously there's like abuse, but you know, I think you should just like keep your mouth shut about that unless explicitly asked. Yeah, I don't think that you should give advice about pregnancy unless explicitly asked. Yeah, that's a rough one. I I had a friend who oh so bad. Don't ever say anything about pregnancy. I had a friend who we were talking to this woman and it was like a lot it was at a kid's birthday party and the girl was married and and didn't have kids and my friend was like, "Are are you excited to have them someday? Like look at all these kids." And she was like, "Oh, I can't get pregnant." Yeah. 
You know, like don't it was I, yeah, awful. don't talk about it was fertility. Awful. Yeah, don't talk about fertility. Don't talk about pregnancy. It's horrible to bring that up to people. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think don't talk about um, and cro- don't say shit like, "Oh, you can't get pregnant. You should just uh, eat eat more kale or but whatever the fuck exact- people that's say." That's exactly what I'm Shut talking the about. Fuck up. So in the same sense, don't talk about don't give advice about chronic illness unless Absolutely. you're Absolutely. Like you know, don't assume that they haven't tried something. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's so annoying. Hey, you have cancer. Have you tried like a uh, just a uh, like a prayer and and, uh, and eating more fiber. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and don't eat more fiber. <laughs> um, so I feel like those, so like, I feel like there are a couple of topics where like, re- I mean, overall, you should really not give advice unless you're explicitly asked for it. But yeah. those are like very touchy, taboo topics that like, unless your friend or or coworker or whoever is like, what do you, do you know anything? Do you have any advice? Like, yeah. do not even touch that. If they're talking about it without explicitly asking you for advice, just be a, an ear. Yeah. Just listen. Just take it in and be like, okay, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Yeah. Or like, that must be tough for you. And like, you know what I mean? Friend of the show, Josh Gondelman, I was talking to him about a bunch of stuff. And then I finally, at the end of the me talking about it, I went, so what do you think? Because I know he's not going to try to like force anything on me. Right. I asked for it. I was yeah. like, what do you think about all of this? Totally. And you can do that. And I think you can set up dynamics with people. You know, if someone giving you advice is triggering for you, potentially yeah. like a parent, I think you can say, unless I explicitly ask for your advice, please don't give me any. Yes. And if I do want it, I will ask. Yes. And otherwise, please just assume that I'm just sharing information. Yes, absolutely. Just to share. Absolutely. So... Wow, that was some good advice on advice. <laughs> oh my god. Melissa, wanna come in and rate our advice giving? I'm gonna rate it twenty-three chromosomes. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That is so funny. Oh, wow. oh my god. I can't believe we're doing all this free publicity for twenty three and me and they don't even <laughs> sponsor us. Even though I guess like it's not really free publicity because if people like don't want to find their secret siblings or don't want to <laughs> have their legitimate lives, children, <laughs> they don't want to have their lives upended. Maybe they'll be like, you know what? I don't think I want to do a twenty three and me. Actually, at this point, so many people have done these genetic websites yeah. that like you can probably find everybody. I oh, I don't think it was a good idea. No, no, I'm just saying it's really interesting and it's becoming a huge part of of um. Finding criminals. I know. Finding the, rapists and murderers. <laughs> the next thing that happens is they just use our DNA to find out, like, some distant cousin is, uh, like, the fucking smiley face killer. And we're all just but like, But I'm Great. serious. That's how they found the Golden State Killer. I know. And I and it's like, how many more things can happen with our DNA being on this website, you know? Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I, okay, I rate it 10 out of 10 new brothers. Aww. And it's funny because people have a mixed reaction when I call him new brother. When like I, people don't like it? They're like, why do you you just call him new brother? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, new brother, old brother. I think that's adorable. Yeah, and be an Obie. <laughs> <laughs> why not? What did we learn? Um, I just found this really, really fascinating. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And I loved you guys' story. I love how close you guys are. Yeah. Um, um, and I just had a good time just <laughs> I just felt uh, it was like just listening to it I had a good time I know yeah. it was so fascinating yeah. even though I've like heard the story hearing it from him was really cool and interesting because his experience of it is obviously so different than your experience mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he, it's always interesting to me when he talks about how he didn't really care about where he came from. I know. Mm-hmm. He there's, he didn't mention this, but when he was, he found out he was adopted because when he was eight, he was at the doctor's office and he opened his file while he was waiting for the doctor to come in <gasps> oh and it my. said adopted and he went weird and closed it and never fucking brought it up again. What? Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong with you? And he was like, I just didn't, I didn't care. And I was like, that is, I've never heard an adopted person say that. I obviously am not adopted, so I, I, this is just speculation, but part of me feels like I don't know if I would care that much either. Yeah, he was like, I don't know, I had my, you my your sister parents, and my you parents and like, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, that is wild. I'm sure it's different if you don't have a great relationship with mm. your adopted family, mm-hmm. but if like they, if they're a loving, caring family, there you go. Yeah, he just didn't care. But I, I think even though I wasn't adopted, I would always, I was always curious about like Maymay's family in Paris or whatever. Like I really always cared about like family and where they came from. Well, and you stuff. love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you love to know everything there is to know about yourself. <laughs> oh my god! But he's so wonderful. I'm so glad, like, for how our relationship has turned out in the last couple years. And I'm, I'm glad we didn't tell anyone about it for like a, a, a long time to sort yeah. of process it by ourselves. Totally. Yeah. And he drove a while to get here. He drove up from San Diego. Yeah. He's so sweet. Mm-hmm. He drove up from San Diego. He drove up in San Diego to help me buy a car. I love that. What a great human being. I know. He's the best. And he drove up for Cheyenne's birthday. Like, he just, like, is really shown up, which yeah. is very lovely. He's your family. I know. And his wife is wonderful, too. We didn't even mention this. She's a doctor in the Navy. And she's wow. just, like, the coolest fucking person. And not to be weird, but my mom is a redhead. And Amber is also a redhead. So Jason <laughs> and my dad both married redheads. Uh-oh. They have a type. Watch I out. <laughs> my ex-girlfriend was a redhead, too. So it was almost a hat trick. <laughs> What was the funniest part? <laughs> the funniest part for me was the hypotheticals when the um, third person was sitting there. Oh, naked. they were oh, there, yeah. yeah. But you couldn't see it through but the you hole. you couldn't see it through the hole. <laughs> it could have been a totally different type of hole if you exactly. <laughs> could I want that book. <laughs> I'm, I've been thinking about just writing romance novels. You should. Giving this all up and just diving into it. Yeah. You should. I have to. I'm gonna to talk to our manager about it after the tour. And you think that I'm joking, but this was on my to do list. No, I yeah. actually have that on my to do list. <laughs> really? I'm not joking either. Because like, please I write, write fast. You know, yeah. like please you just... write through the hole. Okay, through please. the hole. Please, <laughs> I'll blurb it. I'll be like, this was the most erotic novel I've ever read. I think I have to use a pen name though, right? Why? I don't know. Can I just become a romance novelist? Why not? Why not? Okay, Pivot. great. I'm pivoting, baby. You, you yeah. have to because you could use the springboard of your name to like get it more, you know, get it sold more. Can you imagine if I start writing for Harlequin? Oh, that's hot. like a dream. I would die. I love Harlequin. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, you think it might not be on brand, but it's very on brand. I don't read like the super raunchy ones, but like sure. they have different levels. Like it's almost like uh, the movie ratings. I know nothing about this. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just called Hypotheticals, and it's a romance novel? I just almost threw my cup. I just almost threw my mug on the ground. I wish you could have seen my reaction to that. Incredible. Oh, my God. Uh, I I don't know what to say other than I had a great time. I know, right? He's so delightful. He's so delightful. Mm-hmm. I had, like, my mouth was, like, open while I was just listening. Right? Because so, yeah. you didn't know the full story. Mm-mm. I didn't know any You just of it. were like, wow. Gabby's new brother is coming in, yeah, and I don't know what that means. Yeah, like, for his bio that I wrote down, it just said, Gabby's new brother. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's been a lovely two years with him and his wife, definitely. And they're two little Pomeranian dogs. Well, let us know if you found out about your new brother or if you want me to become a Harlequin romance novelist. Yeah, and let me know if you uh, suspect Mark Dunn might be your dad. We're putting out an open call. <laughs> Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our theme music. Our producer is Melissa D. Motts, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Stitcher.